going to make our confession. Last week I shared on uh, the prodigals are coming home, and I forgot during the course of the service to share with you a book that I recommend for all of you to get. How many of you got some prodigals out there running, gunning, doing their things? You need to get this book. It's an old book, but it is just fabulous. I try to read it about once a year. It's called Rebel with a Cause. Now, how many of you are as old as Bill O'Brien, and you can remember, and you can remember Rebel with a Cause? Yeah. How many of you? Not very many, Bill. <laughs> not, not very many, <laughs> James Dean. But this is a takeoff on the movie Rebel with a Cause by James Dean. Rebel with a cause, uh, a rebel without a cause was James Dean, rebel with a cause. It's the life story of Franklin Graham. Now most of us today know Franklin Graham as a man of God, Billy Graham's son, traveling all over the world, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, a guy on fire for the things of God. But in Rebel with a Cause, it's his story about how he got involved with doing things that he shouldn't be doing. I won't name them all, but he names them all in the book. And how sometimes he just did things to spite his dad, to spite his mom. That everywhere he went, he was Billy Graham's son, and he was tired of being Billy Graham's son, even though he loved his father. And he was really out there just doing his thing. He said, but the one thing that it can never get away from me is every time I was around my dad, he would say, Franklin, you do whatever you feel you have to do, just remember this, I will always be your father, I will always love you, you'll always be welcome in my home. And, and Franklin said, I just hated hearing that because I just got tired of hearing that because I knew what I was doing and all my dad would do is just love me and love me and love me. And he said, one day my dad and I were walking along a little creek bed and he said, my dad turned to me and he said, Franklin, make a decision, serve Jesus, or walk away from Jesus, but you can't straddle the fence. You make the decision, it's your responsibility, not mine. I'm just praying for you. I love you, I'm your father. He said he could never escape those words, even when he was doing some of the most vile things around the world. And you see the rest of the story now. Everybody say the rest of the story. The rest of the story. You see the rest of the story now. Your prodigals are coming home. So let's just say it, my prodigals, I'm coming home. And why? Because it's the will of God. They're all coming home. Let's give the Lord another hand. I encourage you to get that book. You can get it through Barnes & Noble. Uh, it will really encourage you. Let's make our confession because God is not finished with us yet. We are going from glory to glory. And I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Let's give the Lord a hand for that one. And now a flashback to the oldie but the goodie, my favorite of all times, because this is so true. The Word of God is true. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Let's all say, it's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, you can get this. You can be seated. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. For all of you visitors that are here with us today, 
after the service, go to the back of uh, into the, our bookstore, uh, all the way down at the end of the sanctuary and back there and get a gift. We want to give you a gift, a book, or whatever we have back there. I'm not sure what we have, but we're glad that, that you are uh, with us. We want to lift up Sherry Hazelbaker, going to have minor, uh, well, I don't know about minor, going to have outpatient surgery coming up. Sherry's here somewhere. I think we're going to have it tomorrow. Second row back there, right behind you, Brad. And then also, uh, we want to pray for uh, Grace Peters. Uh, she's just uh, strengthened her uh, leg that she'd had surgery on and that everything is going to be, everything is great. Everything is great. So, Father, we thank you for Cheryl Hazelbaker, uh, Sherry Hazelbaker. Thank you for the surgery that will take place tomorrow in Jesus' name, that it will all go smoothly and uh, quick recovery. We lift up grace to you and we thank you. We proclaim healing in her body, in every part of her body. We pray that the leg is going to be stronger than ever before and that she'll be back on both of her feet, running and gunning for you in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start today with the message uh, title, and it's a question for you. Are you ready for a question? Let me see all the people that are ready for a question, okay? I'm going to have you answer it, and then I'm going to have you uh, answer it to the person next to you. Do you have great faith? Now, we all have a measure of faith. So let's all say, I have, I have a, measure of faith. a measure of faith. But my question to you is, do you have great faith? And we're going to look in the book of Matthew in just a moment. I love to observe people. I, by nature, am somewhat quiet, so I don't have to talk a lot and express myself uh, in a group of people and all. I probably would just blend in. But I, but I do like to observe people talk. And I am amazed at some of the things I hear people say who don't know Jesus and realize they really need Jesus. But I am even more amazed because at least they have an excuse. Everybody say they have an excuse. They got an excuse to act that way. Uh, but I am more amazed by the people who know Jesus, who have the Holy Spirit, and to listen to what they converse and say with one another. And in it, I, I have to be careful that I don't cross that proverbial line of interceding and praying for people and being judgmental of people. How many of you know there is a line? And I'm sure I probably do cross it sometimes. But it's sometimes it's like, well, you surely would not be saying what you're saying if you really knew what it meant to have great faith. So it is the will of God that all of us have great faith. And in the Bible, and we're going to talk about it in just a moment, Jesus uh, talked about a whole lot of things in regard to faith and fear and all of these things and doubt and unbelief, but he, but he somewhat described uh, three types of faith. Now, we know the Bible talks about if you have faith, a grain of a mustard seed, and how important that is because it will grow. A mustard seed grows. It doesn't stay as a mustard seed. It grows. And uh, so, you know, Fred Price, one of my favorites to listen to when I first got saved, ever-increasing faith, our faith should always be increasing. But Jesus described people with no faith. He described people of little faith, and he described great faith. If we want to have great faith, we need to know, how do I get it? It doesn't come from osmosis. It doesn't come from coming to church, although you should be in church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you should be here. When you get a hold of this, 
it can change your life. We had a story, it's a, it's a funny story, it's a humorous story, but it's a true story. But uh, it, when we were in Tulsa at Victory Christian Center, we had a school, Victory Christian School. They still have it. I don't know how many children they have right there now. But uh, there's this one little boy, I think he was, I, I don't know, he was a second or third grader, just a young little guy. And he got in trouble at home. And uh, the school, the primary me uh, uh, method of, uh, uh, and message of the school was to teach children to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing for you to teach your children. Uh, math is important, history is important, geography and all of the technology and things that they're teaching now, but the most important thing a child can be taught is how to follow the leading and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that was based on the word of God, and, and this child got in trouble at home. And the dad said, we are going to use some corporal punishment tonight for what you have done, and discipline. And uh, so the dad set him down and believed in corporal punishment there. And back in that day, at, at Victory, we, we used corporal punishment, uh, corporal discipline is what we called it. The, the, it was important to, for the children to understand discipline. And so the dad was setting the child down and never out of anger, never out of frustration, but always, this is why I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and this is what you did, and this is what we're going to do and how we're going to implement it, but I love you, and I'm doing this because I love you. And he got the little rod of correction out for the little boy, and the little boy looked at him and said, Dad, no weapon for me is going to prosper. <laughs> and the dad, the dad started to laugh, and he called Billy Joe, the pastor, and he told him, he said, you guys are doing a great job in that church, at that school. He said, I was going to, go to give my son a little lesson here, and he told me no weapon formed against him is going to prosper. Well, we don't know the rest of the story. My guess is the father dropped the whole scenario at that moment. But folks, we need to get to the point when we get our focus on having great faith. Because I know this, I love to read about what's coming. I love history. I love projecting out into what is coming in the realm of the spirit, what's coming in the natural realm. And we are heading for some interesting times. And you say, well, no, I'm not believing for that. Folks, you can believe what the Bible says. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you can believe what the Bible says. If Jesus said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You read Matthew 24, you read Matthew 25, it's going to happen. It isn't a question, is it going to happen? The only question is, when it's going to happen. You read 2 Timothy chapter 3, it isn't a question when it's going to happen. Personally, I think Timothy chapter 3 is happening right now. Perilous times have arrived. But if you read on in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4, it says, but the man and woman of God, will be thoroughly prepared for this time frame that we're entering into. The whole world's going to go dark, and we got the greatest light on the face of the earth. Have you ever seen these lights they advertise on TV? Tack lights and stuff like that. I got one of them. It wasn't worth the money I paid, but I got one. It's in my glove compartment. I didn't tell you about it because it was fairly, fairly expensive. <laughs> but, I, but I got one of those lights. And, and I keep waiting for something that is just so dark that I can turn the light on. I haven't got that dark yet. I carry this light around looking for darkness. <laughs> so we, if all the power in Lafayette goes out and you see a light somewhere, it's probably me with my new tack light. <laughs> but the good news is we're going to have the answer for the we're not going to have. We have the answer for the world. Let's just say, I have the answer. 
And if you know and understand the importance of the Word of God, and what we're going to read in Matthew chapter 8 is the story of the Roman centurion. This is one of the most powerful stories in the entire Bible. It's not just a story of healing, although healing is involved. It's a story of faith and what the Roman centurion had observed regarding Jesus. He was not a person of faith as far as we know. He was a Roman centurion. But he knew about Jesus. He had seen what Jesus had done. He probably had followed Jesus. He may have even been on an assignment. Because everywhere that Jesus went, there was a huge crowd. And we know the Pharisees and the Sadducees and others followed him. And the Pharisees, Sadducees, they wanted to convict him of something. The Romans were concerned about who this guy was because they had to keep peace in the area. And in Romans chapter 8, we're going to pick it up here about how this Roman centurion came to Jesus because he had a need. Why would a Roman centurion go to Jesus because he had a need. He wasn't of the Jewish faith, he, he, but he, he had obviously seen what had happened. How many of you have seen great miracles in your life? Things that you just, it's hard for you even to describe to people and say, whoa, this is great. This is how we are to live with signs, wonders, and miracles from the Holy Spirit flowing into this earth today. And that's why it's so important you get, you get, you get a, an understanding of the Word of God when Jesus said man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. 4. That's a big assignment. What all did God have to say? Well, he said that you are created in my image. He's he going to have dominion on this earth. And when he lost the dominion and when mankind lost the dominion, he didn't, we lost the dominion. And, and because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, he said, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to restore it the way it was originally. And he did it through Jesus. And that now, through great faith, we can walk on this earth as Jesus walked, and I'm going to show it to you scripturally. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, let's get into this scripture. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked, he, oh, I got the wrong, glory to God, I'm ahead of myself. Let me back up here, Matthew, chapter 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a certain centurion came pleading to him, saying, Lord, my servant is, is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. He said, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you because I've got a, a, a servant that is really hurting. And Jesus' response was this, I will come and I will heal him. Now, why would the centurion approach Jesus with that need? Because he had seen healings. He had seen what Jesus had done. We don't know how many of the miracles that he saw, but he saw enough to realize this man is different. This man is capable of bringing change. This man is having miracles flow through him. I don't understand everything perhaps about his faith, but I know this, he can heal my servant. He had faith that Jesus could heal his servant. And what did Jesus say? I'll come and I'll heal him. Now let's look at what it says next here. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But now look at this. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. How did he know that? That is unbelievable. 
He is not a person of the Jewish faith. He just observed Jesus and said, I know that if you will speak a word, my servant will be healed. And then look at verse 9. This is something that is really astounding, and if you get a hold of this, it can change your life. For I am a man under authority. Everybody say under authority. We are living in a world today that the devil has infiltrated, and he's trying to undermine authority. We are having a huge problem in this world with people being disciplined to submit to authority, even in the body of Christ. And it says, it says, I'm a man under authority having soldiers under me. And he's, 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 he's correlating this with Jesus. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. In other words, he expects obedience to the spoken word. He expects obedience to the spoken word. Jesus heard it, and he marveled. And he said to those who had followed, Assuredly, I say to you, now look at this. Everything Jesus had experienced and observed, look at what he said. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great a faith in all of Israel. In all of Israel. Now, what are the things that the Roman centurion said? What was his background? Number one, he was very humble. He was a humble person. God promotes humility. God is looking for humble people that he can promote. Humility is part of getting into the presence of God and having the power of God flow through you. And then he talks about how, uh, certainly I say to you that, that, that I, I understand this. I understand how this works. He understood being under authority. And he understood how to be in authority. A lot of people want to be in authority, but they've never understood how to be under authority. When you are promoted into authority, you cannot walk out from being under authority. One of the biggest problems we have with teenagers today is not teenagers. It's parents. Teenagers are going to do anything they get by with. How do I know so well? I was one. <laughs> Teenagers are going to do anything they get by with. Parents aren't called to be their children's best friend, although if in the process that happens, that's great. Parents are called to train up their child in the way that they should go. We're living in a world today that has produced a lot of enabling for people to not understand authority. One of the greatest things that could happen for children is to stick them in the military. That's another subject for another time. <laughs> South Africa, in South Africa, has compulsory, compulsory military. Uh, the reason, 
The reason we have this problem is not just parents, but our school system discipline is broken down. Uh, the discipline that we used to have in our school system is broken down. So now who is really disciplining a child? And, uh, it's, and even some of the discipline, uh, you know, lucky all our children are, are grown because we would use corporal punishment in our home. I may have to do it from the jail, but glory to God, I would do it. <laughs> Now, in, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 13, let's look at what Jesus had to say. Well, we just work our way through it. Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed. Now, yeah, that's it. Go your way. Great job getting there quickly on the PowerPoint. Give our PowerPoint operator a hand and our sound person back there, Sean. Uh, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that same moment. Everybody say this, as I, believed, as I have believed. What we should be saying is what I believe. Faith is not speaking and describing what you see, it's speaking and describing what you believe. And when we understand how to develop from that grain of mustard seed, Word of God says God has given us all a measure of faith. How do we grow our faith? No fear, no doubt, no unbelief. The Word of God says I'm healed. The issue is settled. The Word of God says I have the mind of Christ. It is settled. The Word of God says the joy of the Lord is my strength. It is settled. Folks, some people don't like to laugh. Some people don't like to be happy. That is the dumbest thing in the world. Well, it's not my nature. Change your nature. Change your nature to the nature of God. Jesus said, I give you my joy so that your joy may be full. I just reading a book put out by the, uh, uh, it's an uh, old book, put out by the Hunters. How many of you remember the Happy Hunters? You've got to be old to do that. Bill's hand went up again. Now, <laughs> Bill and I are the same age, by the way. But, but uh, the Happy Hunters. And uh, it, it's, it's a book that was endorsed by the Contreras who have Oasis of Love, a place that I've read a lot about in Tijuana, Mexico. And they're, they're, they're cancer researchers, do a great job there. We've had friends that have been there, uh, been there, Dwayne and Sue Kirshner were there just recently, and uh, they have a lot of treatment going on. They believe, that one of their beliefs is uh, totally holistic, uh, but, but if God is telling you by the Spirit to do something from a different standpoint, do it, but they're into holistic healing. And, and one of them is laughter and how powerful laughter is. And they worked in association with Patch Adams. How many of you have ever seen the movie Patch Adams? Powerful movie. I love it. True story about a man who has the Gazoon Hyatt Hospital down in, I think, Chattanooga, Tennessee or somewhere. But anyway, it's all about laughter. It's all about laughter. And, and one of the things in the book said this, that when you get angry and disgruntled and upset and weary, your immune system takes about a six-hour hit. It takes about six hours for your immune system to get you back on, tilter, on kilter. But if you laugh and really laugh, then it, it, it takes your immune system, it, it enhances your immune system for a period of approximately 24 hours. Now think about that just for a moment. Anyone in their right mind would realize that the Word of God is truth. Let's all say it. The Word of God is truth. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Great faith would want that. I want medicine in my body that is from God. Holistic medicine. So if I laugh a lot, I'm going to be self- taking care of my immune system, so therefore I gotta, I gotta come up with things to laugh about. 
And if I can't think of anything to laugh about, I just think about you guys. And some of the stories I know about all of you, I am hilarious the rest of the day because of the stories. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's laughing about you now. Now, when we understand how this works, great faith appropriates the Word of God, and it doesn't change. Go your way as you have believed, as you have believed, as you have believed. So many people contradict what they want to believe with their mouth, with their eyes, with their mind, what they think. And, oh, gosh, this is never going to get any better. Oh, man, no. This is a, a story I read. I don't know if it's a true story or not person went to the drugstore, asked for certain medicine, and, and said it was hiccuping. And the uh, pharmacist reached across the counter and slapped the guy right upside the face. And, and, and the guy went back like that. He said, why did you slap me? He said, how are your hiccups? They're gone. He said, well, you don't need the medicine. The story is that sometimes you don't feel like doing what the Word of God says. Now, I'm going to say something now that we had a woman leave our church many years ago, but she came back. I made a statement. Forget her name. Paula. Paula. I made a statement. I don't care how you feel. I want you to know the Word of God and appropriate that so that then that is how you will be. And she had a dog that was not doing well. And she thought, this is really funny. She thought I was talking about her dog. I didn't even know she had a dog that wasn't doing well. <laughs> but I, she wasn't feeling well because her dog wasn't feeling well. Well, that's a whole other story. But anyway, I, I, I basically said when she finally came back to the church, I said, it's, it's not that I don't really care how you feel, but your feelings can never be of concern to you. If you are a person who has to feel a certain way, you ready for this? You will never have great faith. There are times that I just don't feel like always releasing my faith, especially for money. I would prefer to have it in the bank. I would prefer to have the money for the Sudan in the bank. Thank God we do have now because of your giving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But there's the time. Brad, Brad and I, we were, we were over there the last time in the Sudan. We had to take them out of the Sudan into the refugee camp in Uganda. And, and we didn't, we had three, four, three thousand dollars, that's all we had, and, and on us at the time. And uh, we made a decision on the spur of the moment to buy a land cruiser for $16,000. And most of you heard the story. And, and, I, and I said, we'll buy the Land Cruiser. Just find it and we'll buy it right now. And then Brad turns to me and says, how are we going to pay for it? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. That's a good time to have great faith. And I did. I had faith in God. And I won't go through that whole story with you because almost everybody in this church has heard the story. But how we finally went to the bank and really put a demand. Everybody say demand. We put a demand on the bank through the power of the Holy Spirit to give us money that they said we couldn't have because we didn't have an account. And out my mouth came what I believed. 
we are here on an assignment from God and I need $15,000. I still can remember this startled look on this teller back there. And she looked at me like, well, he's on. Now, this, she did not say this, but this is what it looked like. He's on an assignment from God. It's against our policy, but I better do something about it. And away she went. And next thing I know, she can now $15,000. Glory to God. We still don't know how we're going to pay for it because we're using credit cards, but that's okay. Thank God we had the plastic. When you, when you are exercising great faith, you know it's not you. Everybody says it's not me. It's God. And when we get to that point, that's why it's so important to understand that God is pleased when we exercise faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, faith, God is a rewarder of those who have faith in what he wants us to do. And when we let that faith grow and it becomes what God wants us to be, then we go from glory to glory. Now, this is what Jesus said in the book of Mark. I know you know this scripture. I, I, I know that many of you operate in, in this scripture. But folks, if we're going to have great faith, it has to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 14, or Matthew 14, talking about when the disciples uh, got in the boat. Jesus said, go to the other side. That's all they needed to hear. But there was a storm, and the storm came up, and the disciples were afraid, and Jesus was asleep in the boat. Folks, you should be able to take a nap during the midst of a storm. My wife. The last big storm we had in Lafayette, Indiana, I've never had a hammock. I have always wanted a hammock. I never wanted to spend money for a hammock, but I've always wanted a hammock. I was in a store not too long, this, early this year, and they had a hammock on sale. Now, we have kids in this store, so listen to me, but don't do what I do, okay? This is for the kids. Your pastor is a real hypocrite right now. Do not do what I'm just telling you I did, okay? And uh, But anyway, I bought this hammock. And uh, strung it up in my backyard, and I love a storm. I love a storm. And I just love to go out and lay in my hammock during the storm. And I'm out there laying in my hammock. There's a storm. There's lightning all over the place. I'm having a ball. And I hear my wife calling me, come in, come in. you got, you got to get in out of that storm. I'm just about asleep. I am just in heaven. Glory to God. She's thinking I'm going to be in the real heaven real soon. <laughs> She finally came and drug me in the house, didn't you? And I missed the tail end of that storm. I am so waiting for another spring storm. I go out in my hammock and take a nap. Oh, glory to God. Now, different strokes for different folks. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's nuts. Now, now I understand different strokes for different folks. I love a good storm. Don't want to see any damage, but I love a good storm. Now, look at what Jesus said. So powerful to have great faith. Jesus had just cursed the fig tree. Whatever Jesus says is truth. Everybody said, whatever Jesus said, or says, is truth. Now, if you get this, and I'm going to tie it all together here, it'll, it'll change your life if you understand this. What you see is not important. What you believe is important. And what you believe is what you should see. Well, I don't see healing. Do you believe healing? I don't see the products coming home. Do you believe they're coming home? I don't see that I have the mind of Christ because I know what I've been thinking lately. Do you believe you have the mind of Christ? What you believe is more important than what you see. Most people, what they see is what they believe. That is contrary to great faith. It sounds like a contradiction, but it isn't. It is the word of God. And so Jesus 
has, has said, you know what, there's no fruit on this fig tree and I'm hungry, so I just curse the roots of it. Now that sounds like it's not his nature to just go around doing that, but apparently that's what he did because that's what the Word of God says. And the next day they come by the fig tree and the disciples look at it and say, whoa, this thing is dead. And Jesus said, hey, if I said so, it is so. Now I know he didn't say it like that, but that's exactly what happened. He said, if I say it, that's it. And then he goes on and he says, have faith in God. Everybody say that. That's basically Matthew 4, 4. Live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Have faith in God. Whoever speaks to the mountain, the obstacle, the situation or circumstance contrary to the will of God and the word of God, whoever speaks to that thing, he's not talking about a, a, a mountain. He's talking about an obstacle. Whatever that thing is that's in your way from the will of God and the power of God and the plan of God and what the word of God says and God's will, you speak to that to be removed, be cast into the sea, and you don't doubt in your heart. You will have whatever you say. That's exactly what the, the, what the servant said to Jesus. He said, if you say it, it will be done. Now Jesus is saying, if you say it, it will be done. Whatever you say, it will be done. Now let's go on and read here what it says here. And he does not doubt, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Yes. How important is that? It was important for blind Bartimaeus. It was important for the woman with the issue of blood. And it was important when they were going to the other side. Now, in, in, uh, in uh, John chapter 16, this is a scripture that I've used a lot in this church this year. But it's talking about how when the spirit of truth has come, when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide us into all truth. Now look at this, because it's so powerful. He'll not speak on His own authority. And I talk about the Holy Spirit. Whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will show you the things that are coming. I believe God has shown me the prodigals are coming home. I believe that. He will glorify me, and He will take what is mine. Now Jesus is saying right here, what I walked with on this earth, the power and the authority and the dominion, which was God's original plan for all of mankind, I had. Jesus walked in that power. He's going to glorify me, and he's going to take everything that I had, and he's going to give it to you. And you now will have what I had. You will have the power. You will have the authority you will have the dominion through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to declare it to you. Then look at the next verse. Oh, that is the last verse. <laughs> Glory to God. That is the last verse. So in other words, that has been declared by Jesus for you and I. So let's all say it. Great faith, Great faith. Has, that. has that. So therefore, we understand that no matter what we face, we're going to be okay. We're going to look at Matthew 16 here in just a second. But uh, when we were on staff, my, Pam had walked with the Lord a lot longer than I had. When we were on staff at Victory, uh, God was doing things that I just, I just couldn't really understand why he was doing them. I uh, couldn't understand why they were doing them. 
doors were opening for us to be involved in ministry and to go on staff. And, and at one time when we were on staff there, uh, I basically was there to do whatever Billy Joe had need of. And, uh, you know, just kind of like a gopher. And, and I loved it. I loved serving him. And, and I'll never forget the one day that I'm sure I've shared this before, but one day we're, we're in Christ Chapel, a place where Pam and I were married, uh, not in Christ Chapel, but near there. Were we married in Christ Chapel? Kennedy Chapel. Kennedy Chapel. I remember it well. <laughs> Christ Chapel. Kennedy Chapel is right next door to Christ Chapel. We were going to be married in the prayer garden, but the big storm was coming. I know God did that for me, and my wife would not get married in the middle of a storm. We had to move inside. <laughs> we are going to be in the prayer garden. So we're sitting up there, and it's praise and worship, and at that particular time, we always did communion on Wednesday nights out of worship. And we're in the second row, and if Billy Joe needed something, he would lean back and ask me for it. And we're just worshiping the Lord just like we were tonight. And he leans over, and he said, did Eula May call you? Eula May is the secretary. I said, no. Oh, and he goes back worshiping the Lord. And, and then he says, she didn't call you to do communion? No. Let's worship the Lord again. Are you ready to do communion? No. <laughs> worshiping the Lord again. Got chills going through my body, but it's not good chills. <laughs> they're, they're bad chills. <laughs> and we worship a little tomorrow. How long does it take you to get ready to do communion? I knew what he meant. I said, I'm ready. <laughs> worship the Lord. He says, You take it out of worship. Never taken it out of worship. Never done communion. And I'm telling you, this is almost the exact words I thought. What the crap do we do now? <laughs> I don't really remember how they take it out of worship. I've never done it. I'm not even sure what he does. And I've been taking communion everywhere. <laughs> well, I don't know. I remember that. God. This is going to be interesting. This is exactly what I thought. God, this is going to be interesting, but I know you know what I'm supposed to do. I haven't a clue. I, I said that as I walked up to the podium. Took the microphone from the guy. Thought, okay, I'll close my eyes. That will help. And I remember thinking, Billy Joe, always give people a chance to know Jesus. So I remember saying, you know, if any of you walked away from the Lord, don't know Jesus, just, just lift your hands. and We'll pray for you before we partake of the elements. And I remember reluctantly opening my eyes. <laughs> there were hands everywhere. Wow. It's easier than I thought. We did communion. I have no idea what I said. And I remember turning around and walking back. And I remember hearing this in my spirit. Don't think that was you. I did that. You know, there's a valuable lesson. It's not me. It's he who lives in me. It's not you. It's he who lives in you. And if you will yield to the power that is in you, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, you will have released in your body 
and in your mind and in your mouth, great faith. There will be nothing you can't do because you're yielding to the power that is in you. You are under authority, not in authority. Under authority to release the authority. Matthew chapter 16 talks about this. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Eh, some this, some that, whatever. Peter, who do you say that I am? You're the son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, Peter, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that on this revelation, I'm going to build my church. The power of God will be there. And what you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenlies. That's where the warfare is, the heavenlies. We think the warfare is down here in America. We think the warfare is in Europe. We think the warfare is uh, in other countries. The warfare is in the heavenlies. Oh, all sorts of warfare going up there. We have angelic beings ready to pounce upon the devil for our words. Bam! My prodigals are coming home. Open your eyes. They're doing drugs. There are all sorts of stuff going on out there. Hey, I'm going to do marijuana the rest of my life. No, they're not. The ministering angels are going to get the demons off their lives, and they're coming home. Can you say amen to that? We know the power and the authority and the dominion that we walk in. It's not us. It's him in us. Jesus said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So therefore, we have the power through our words to bind and loose no matter where a person is. There is no distance in the realm of the Spirit. And so when we understand that, we understand we are fighting a fight of faith. And that fight of faith is growing and growing and growing so that we are going to see the Word of God come to pass in our lives. Paul said two things here, and we'll close with this. It's in 2 Timothy uh, one is in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 6, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and then we're going to go to uh, 2 Timothy, <coughs> excuse me, uh, when, when, uh, when, when God promoted Joshua, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is, is Joshua 1, 8 and 1, 9. It says, Joshua, I know that you're new to this new position. Moses is gone. You're the guy I picked for leadership. But if you meditate the word of God day and night, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be successful. You'll never be discouraged. Everything is going to be fine. But now we come to what Paul described in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is where a lot of people are today. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the body of Christ, I see this. Sometimes... If you were saying something that you knew was the wrong thing to say and you were contradicting the word of God and opening the door to the devil, would you want somebody to tell you? Yes. Can I see the hands? Okay. Would you want me to tell you? Yes. Lift your hands. Okay, because I'd love to do it. I, I, I would. I really would. Is that Pancho? Pancho, how are you? I always love Poncho. That's Manny's brother. Give him a hand. <laughs> Nothing like being singled out in church, right? You probably thought we had 11 o'clock service. Yep, it's been a while. Everybody said, Poncho, where you been? <laughs> Poncho, we're glad you're here. I'm not going to say it. But Bill O'Brien knows what I'm thinking. Okay, now... <laughs> Now, O Timothy, this is a lot of people now. O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, step up to the plate here because we got some problems. Avoiding the profane and idle babblings and contradictions 
of what is falsely called knowledge. We got a real problem with knowledge in the world today. Oh, I'm super serious. No, super studious. I don't even know what word I was using. Super intelligent. We have a, uh, trying to get a class in this uh, country of intellectual. That's the word I was looking for. I am intellectual because I can pronounce more syllables with one word than you can. Well, I know anti-disestablishmentarianism. That's a word. Molly and I were going to school one day. She was practicing the spelling word, and she's doing pretty good. And I said, yeah, but could you spell anti-disestablishmentarianism? She looked at me and said, is that a word? <laughs> it really is. Avoiding profane and idle babblings, contradictions of what's falsely called knowledge. It's falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning faith. Anything contradicting the word of God is false to the believer. It's false. Now, this is what Timothy said. Be careful of those. But then... He summed up his life, which I believe will be all our life. And it's in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Because Paul did what he did, you and I can have great faith. He was a murderer. He was a vile, vicious Pharisee. And God intercepted him on the road to Damascus, turned his whole life around. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He gave us the message of faith, personified. He gave us the example of what it was like to live a life of great faith. And now the rest is up to us. The more we meditate the Word of God, the more we read the Word of God, the more we speak the Word of God, the more we think the Word of God, the more our faith level grows and grows until we begin to say, you know what? I can feel it. I believe I'm getting that same faith that Roman centurion had. I have great faith that whatever the Word of God says is truth. Whatever the Word of God speaks to me is truth. Whatever my Bible says is truth. Whatever my prayer journal says is truth. God told me the prodigals are coming home. They're coming home. God told me to go ahead and give away that thing. I'm giving it away because God told me to. My faith is based on the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't hear much faith from, Christ, from television, but you can if you get into Christian television, listening to the word of God. But the greatest thing that I have found for my life is to get away alone. And I ask you this, when is your time alone with God? Not watching television, even Christian television, not listening to praise tapes, even though I listen to praise tapes all the time. When are you alone with God? one-on-one -on -one talking to God and having God talk to you and spending that quiet time so that your faith can be built up for the rest of the race. The world's going to get darker and darker and darker. The good news is we're going to be riding over the sunset with my bright tack light saying, here I am. God's got me. Let's all stand to our feet. And we're going to have the answer for the world. Can you say in the end? Father, I thank you for the love of Jesus that rests within every person that knows you. 
But Father, I pray that if there are those here today that have never accepted you as, as their Lord and Savior, or maybe they've walked away, Lord, I pray this is the day that they're coming home. I pray, Lord, I claim their souls. Lord, if there are prodigals here today, people that have just drifted away from you, I pray that today's the day they're going to make a decision to come home. With every head bowed and every eye closed, are you a prodigal? Have you drifted away from the things of God? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe as that prodigal, you, you, you knew the Father's love. You knew Jesus at one time, but you know your life is not right. Let today be the day you come home. And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. I want to pray for you all over this church. You say, Pat, pray for me. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there in the back. Yes, I see your hand over here. Are there others? Yes, I see your hand back there in the back. Yes, you say, pray for me. I know my life is not right. We'll take just a moment because this is too important a moment. I see your hand. I see your hand. I love you. I see your hand. Yeah, others. Yes. Don't let this moment go by if that's you. Holy Spirit will be showing you. All of you that lifted your hands, quickly come to the altar. Those of you that are around, all the way back to the back row, give them a hand as they come. You saw somebody with their hand raised. Lift it. Yeah, bring them on down here. God is a God of new beginnings. New beginnings. Yeah, keep it up. Angels in heaven are rejoicing, 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 rejoicing. Glory to God. Come on down there, sweetheart. Now, one big clap offering for God and for the power of the Holy Ghost. Stretch your hands out here to these at this altar. It's about 30 or 40 years ago. Come on down here, brother. Come on down here. About 30 or 40 years ago, well, 40 years ago, somebody told me I needed Jesus in my life. And I wish it was this spiritual moment when bells and whistles and things went off. But what I did was I said, why not? Nothing else seems to be working. But at that moment, when that man led me to Jesus, my whole life changed. And for all of you here, maybe it's your first time. Maybe it's time to come back to Jesus. It doesn't matter. Good news is, he never stops loving us. He never stops believing in us. And he never changes the plan for our life that he had. And those things that maybe as children, thoughts that you had as little kids, never changed with God if he put them in your mind. He's still there, waiting for you to allow him to flow through you. We're going to give you all a book out of our bookstore, too, before you leave. God is going to do a great work in all of your lives. Stretch your hands out here. Let's all pray this prayer together right now. We're all going to join you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. 
I ask you to come into my heart take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. I love you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for each of these at this altar. Lord, that this is a day of new beginnings, a new life serving you. I give you praise for each one of these today in the precious name of Jesus. Don't any of you leave this altar right yet. Just stay right where you are. How many of you are facing situations right now where you really need a miracle, you really need a breakthrough? We all need prayer answered, uh, and God has answered our prayers. But I, I mean, you are at the verge. You need a miracle. Lift your hands real high. Now, believers, look around at all the hands that are lifted. Some down here, some down here. Stretch your hands out toward them. Father, just as the woman with the issue of blood needed a breakthrough, she knew if she could touch the hem of the garment, she would have what she had need of. She had faith. She had great faith within her life that you could do it. We release our faith today that in the name of Jesus we declare breakthrough. We declare a victory. We declare an answer in that situation. We speak it. We declare. We decree it in the name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, now before we leave today, I want us to make this confession because it is the Word of God, it is the will of God. I wake up almost every morning thinking this. I try to wake up every morning thinking this. But this morning my wife woke me up telling me we had ants in the house. They're really shaking loose because of the ants, but I finally got back on it. So let's all say it. Thanks be to Jesus. Who has given me the victory? Who has given me the victory? Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That takes great faith, and let's all say it: I have it. Go and be blessed. Give the Lord a hand. Take on the world.